Amen. At this time, children may be dismissed to Children's Church. At least that's what I'm assuming. Hopefully that is correct. If you would, turn in your Bibles to Revelation chapter 21. Revelation 21. We'll begin reading in verse 1. By the way, if you need a Bible to uh, look at while you're here, you've gotten one. Uh, uh, obviously, some have it on their phone, but uh, there are Bibles at both those little tables on in the back there that you can grab a hold of and uh, look, because there will definitely be, uh, some will be on the screen, but some will be what we're looking at right uh, in the passages as we go through this, so. Revelation 21, verse 1, And then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them. And they will be his people, and God himself will be with them. And be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. And he who seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. And then he said, write this down. For these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To him who is thirsty, I will give drink without the cost from the spring of the water of life. He who overcomes will inherit all this, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, idolaters, and all liars, their place will be in the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. Let's pray. Father, as we... Uh, open the word we open our not just our minds but our hearts to you to know what you want of us this day we come not just to learn but to know what we need to do, what we need to live like you want us to live jesus so i pray that you'd help me not to speak your words, but to help each and every one of us to hear your voice and what you're saying, which I believe can go beyond anything I say. So, will Jesus reign supremely over all of this Holy Spirit, fall upon us, moving us with this in a way that's not natural, but in a way that is supernatural. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. So here we are at the very, towards the very end of the next to, next to last message in our End Times 101 series. It's important that we realize, as we mentioned the last time we met together about this, that the end times does not end with the great white throne judgment, but rather with the beginning of the new eternity. And it can go two, one of two different ways. We're talking about in eternity. First, we looked at the last time was those names who are not written in the book of life 
get their choice that they wanted, which was an endless life apart from God in the lake of fire. That may not exactly be the way it would be phrased, but that is the choice. Often that's the place that we call hell. Today we're going to look at those who have made the choice to follow Jesus as Savior and Lord, who get to live with him in eternity in what we often call heaven. And it seems only right that we finish out an end times study, the end times 101, with heaven. But what is heaven? I know, uh, what, what does it look like? What will it be? And I know there are many Christians who be like, ah, heaven, I don't know. You don't have to preach this one this week or next week. We can move on. I, kinda, I got heaven covered. I, I got that down. I think some of you might end up being a little surprised of how much we don't have that covered and what we don't have. If we were to talk about this whole big picture, in fact, what we're going to do this week and next week is obviously Revelation 21, but also into Revelation 22 to go both uh, chapters, finishing it out in Revelation. And really the question to focus in today, because heaven, what we'll look at this week and next week, heaven could be boiled down if we want to just kind of make it into uh, a statement. Heaven is a place of no more and so much more. Heaven is a place of no more and so much more. And so the question before us this day is, are we ready to spend an eternity in a place of no more? That's what we'll look at today. Are we ready to spend eternity in a place of no more? Somebody said, no more what? What do, you, what do you mean? You may ask, and we're going to look at that question. Because in many ways, the Bible tells us, when it talks about heaven, it almost tells us more about what heaven is not, what is no more, what is not in heaven, as much as it says what heaven is and what it has and what's going to be. And so we're going to look at that, that heaven that we should be hoping for, yearning for, And as we do that, let's begin by longing for a place where what's happening around us is no more. We're longing for a place that what's happening around us is no more. I know there are those who especially like that in these times. It's kind of felt for many people, I'm tired of everything going on around us. I'm tired of all this. Well, some of the stuff we're tired of... uh, is nothing compared to what some of our brothers and sisters in Christ who are persecuted all over the world are having to deal with. But you get it. It's good news. The good news is that what awaits us in eternity with Christ will not be that which is around us now, here on this earth. In fact, what's going on around us now on this earth will not be here because... There will be no earth, not this earth. Look at Revelation chapter 21, verse 1. And then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth, speaking of where we are at right now, has passed away and there was no longer any sea. Uh, So think about that for a moment. In fact, it says the same thing in Revelation chapter 20, just before this, in verse 11. I saw a great white throne on it, and him who was seated on it, earth and sky fled from his presence, and there was no place for them. Heaven and earth 
and other versions would say heaven and earth fled from his presence. And like, maybe we're a little surprised. I mean, I knew things were going to be different, but the earth's going to be destroyed. That's what God's talked about, not just at the end of Revelation. Psalm 102, verse 25 and 26 of verse 25. In the beginning, you laid the foundations of the earth and the heavens are the work of your hands. Yes, all those, that's good, but they will perish, but you will remain. They will all wear out like a garment. What is coming is the destruction of planet earth. I know some like to hedge a little bit on this and this whole sense of what it's saying, that the uh, first heaven and the first earth have passed away. And they like to think, well, you know, it's just it's, it's not that we're getting new. It's just that God's going to renew things. It's going to be a renewed earth. It's not, it's not going to completely be destroyed. Uh, it's just kind of, it's, it's a, he's just kind of given a, a, a spiritual way of kind of thinking about it. And we've talked about this way of interpreting the scriptures and some look at things instead of just reading it in the normal, literal, literary way that's there and not trying to look right away for some figurative or non-literal meaning. What it's saying right here in that verse that it passed away is literally means cease to exist. So it is completely destroyed. It is gone. It's not the only place that we read about this in Second Peter chapter 3, verse 5. But they deliberately forgot that long ago, by God's words, the heavens came into being and the earth was formed out of the water and by water. By these waters also the world of that time was deluged and destroyed. By that same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. All of this earth, it, it, we're not going to go, we already did the water thing, right? God said, I'm not going to do that again. Well, guess what? F now we get fire. And fire is going to burn it all up. In fact, it goes on in verse 10 of Second Peter chapter 3. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire. And the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. Is it? No more. No more. Now, even if we feel like we've never seen these verses before and, and it's just like the earth is going to be like no more, it shouldn't surprise us because this world is not our home. 1 Peter chapter 2 talks about how we are strangers and pilgrims just passing through. Or in Hebrews chapter 13, it says that we here do not have an enduring city, but we are looking for the city that is to come. We should be looking for the city that is yet to become the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven, which we'll talk about next week. Looking for that. But it's not just that this earth will be no more. And here's the thing. You know, we kind of get that. Okay, the earth, nah, you know, getting rid of this earth. I, I can see that. But what's it say there in verse 1 of chapter 21 in Revelation? I saw the new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth have 
passed away. It says the same in chapter 20. It's not a surprise to hear words used like this. Isaiah chapter 34. All the stars from the sky will be dissolved and the heavens rolled up like a scroll. All the starry hosts will fall like withered leaves from the vine, like shriveled figs from the fig tree. This is also mentioned in Hebrews chapter 1. The same thing, quoted. We read things like Isaiah 51. The heavens will vanish like smoke. The earth will wear out like a garment. To hear this in some ways kind of throws a whole monkey wrench into the way we're thinking. Okay, I could get this whole earth being destroyed, but heaven being destroyed? Getting a new heaven? What do I... But let's make sure we understand what we're talking about. And there's a, a couple of different ways to look at this. And one of those is to understand that the word heaven is used many times throughout the Bible. But it is used in different ways. The word heaven used in the Bible sometimes means the heavens as in the sky where the clouds are. Sometimes when, and then Genesis 1, and you go in later in Genesis uh, uh Towards the, towards the middle of Genesis, it's used in a sense of the heavens as in way up there where the stars are, you know, the planet space. But also, the word heaven is used meaning the dwelling place of God. So, which is it when we're talking about this? You know, and even when we're talking about it, somebody says, well, what about... You know, Paul talks in 2 Corinthians 12, verse 2, about getting caught up to the third heaven. You know, what is the, 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 maybe that's, and many would say, that's the whole point of what we just mentioned in the different words. The third heaven, just meaning not the first thing you think of, the sky, or not above that in the sense of the, the space, but beyond that, the dwelling place of God, the third, the spiritual uh, dwelling place where God is. It doesn't mean, in Paul, it mean that there are three levels of heaven. That's what some would try to say. I mean, uh, you hear all kinds of things, like somebody talking about being in seventh heaven. You know, it's, they're not quoting some Bible verse. If they're saying that, just letting you know in case uh, you hadn't uh, figured that one out. You know, I, where we get this whole <coughs> concept of, uh, of somehow, is, is it like different levels? Like, like there's a kind of the basement, the first uh, level is where the carnal Christians are. And then you got the main floor, which is where, you know, just the regular Christians get to go in heaven. And then there's the top floor, you know, the penthouse where uh, this is where the really super spiritual Christians are. Do you think that's the way it works in heaven? And you think about different levels of <clears throat> heavens and, and what's going on. Listen, we are all guilty of sin. And whether it's one or 100,000, it does not matter to God. Jesus Christ had to die on the cross for that one just as much as he had to die for that 100,000. We are all one in Christ. We're not divided or separated in heaven. We'll look more at that next week. But I mean, just think about it. When we go and we look at the pictures uh, that are drawn in the scriptures of what takes place in heaven is that Jesus is going to be right there with us. If anyone deserves to be on the top floor, it's Jesus. But no, he's right there with us, right? 
There is just one floor where we are united together in praise and adoration before the throne of God. In other words, we are all in the throne room. There's not a separation there. Unfortunately, what's happened is we have allowed it, just as I mentioned when we talked about hell, so too with heaven. We have allowed our concepts of heaven to be clouded by popular songs and movies and and books and some which are, are, are worldly and some are even churchy and even from some uh, teachers and preachers along with different works of art and literature that are in there. I mentioned about Dante's Inferno, but the whole Dante's comedy, divine comedy, and there's nine different levels on each side, you know, and all this kind of stuff that really just came from mythology, not from Christianity. We're not recognizing where all these things that we're getting our, our pictures and our, we, we think we've got, I know all about heaven, got it covered, but we've learned more from some country song about heaven and where my mama and her Bible, you know, told me about, then we've looked at the word of God and what it has to say. Revelation 21 and other places talks about heaven being destroyed. And we could say, and it seems to me, that it would be the sense of heavens in the sense of the sky and the uh, space, all that was created, just like the earth was. Am I 100% sure about that? No. It doesn't necessarily say 100% sure that we can say it that way. That seems like a way to interpret that. But in that context and all that's being said here, is it possible he is talking about heaven being destroyed and there becoming a new heaven? For some people, that's a disturbing thought. Wait a minute. We're going to heaven. There's people I know, I love, who went to heaven. The earth is going to be burned up with fire, and that's what's going to happen with heaven too? Well, I, how is that possible? I'm not, and I'm not sure as we think through this that, we've always put, that we always put two and two together with the many different things that we've talked about in this end times series. Because if we did, perhaps we would be less concerned about heaven being wiped out because by then we would realize heaven would be emptied out, so to speak. Now, I'm not saying for sure heaven's going to be the heaven that we think about where we go when we die right now is going to be wiped out. But let's make sure we understand this. When we die as believers, we know, and according to the scriptures, that we go to directly be with Jesus. Jesus said to that thief on the cross in Luke chapter 23, today you will be with me in paradise. Or you can see in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 6 through 9, he says, therefore, we are always confident and know that as long as we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. This is 2 Corinthians 5, verses 6 through 9. For we live by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. And so we make it our goal to please him, whether we are at home in the body or away from it. 
So we are absent from the Lord. Here's the thing, what that is saying. We are absent from the Lord when we are present in this body. I mean, obviously, Jesus is, we have the presence of Christ through the Holy Spirit, but actually, in direct, literal presence, we are absent from the Lord when we are present in this body, but when we are absent from this body, we will be present with the Lord. And where is the Lord? We know in the scriptures, the Lord, one of the places, the Lord is seated high. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, at the right hand of the Father who is seated upon the throne. And where is the throne of God? Heaven. I'm not just saying that. There are verses for each of these that tell us each of those facts. This is where heaven is. So there is a sense that where Jesus is, where the Father is, where is heaven, where we go uh, uh, when we die would be with Jesus in heaven. But let's remember there are other things that happen as we work through the end times from this point on where we are right today to that eternity that we're talking about, eternity with Jesus. What happens? What are the, what's, what's some of the things that we know are going to happen? We talk about the rapture, right? Do you remember that? The rapture is yet to happen where Jesus comes, which obviously means he leaves. He comes for his saints. We meet him in the air and he takes the saints back with him. And in fact, it says that the dead in Christ will be raised first. And so the dead in Christ and those who are alive in Christ will be raised together with Jesus and we will join him. Not just in the air, we will join him in heaven all together and there we will be. But is that the end? Is that the last thing that happens right before eternity? Is there something else yet to take place? And of course, everybody says, yes, of course there is, Pastor. We paid close attention to everything you said. Right? And we know there's a second coming. Where Jesus comes down out of heaven, comes down riding on a white horse and finishes out the battle that Satan had begun against God. And Jesus sets up his reign here on the actual literal earth for a thousand years, the millennium. Now, I want you to think about this for a second. Jesus... No longer up in heaven, but he has come down to earth. Where are we? Those who have been raptured up, those who have died and were with Christ. And we say we were with Christ in heaven. Where are we when Jesus comes down? Anybody remembers is that the second coming, just as the rapture is when Jesus comes for his saints, the second coming is when Jesus comes with his saints. We are riding down with him. Where will we be? Will we be in heaven? No, we will be here on this earth reigning with Christ for a thousand years. So this whole talk that, oh man, heaven's going to just like get burned. It's going to go. Listen, we're not thinking through this. We're not putting two and two together in all of these things. And then after a thousand years takes place, then the great white throne judgment, and then we enter into this eternity with him. Now, I'm not going to get into all the verses of all those things. You can go back and check uh, online, uh, both the audio and the, the video, whether it's YouTube and Facebook. But so many times that we just, like, we're not recognizing 
what we're talking about when we're thinking about heaven and we've just got this picture. We go to heaven and we're just going to be there the whole time throughout all. I die and I'm going there and then I'm there forever. We just went through all the things that God says is going to happen. We're going to reign with him here. And then we're going to be with him forever in eternity. And in a sense, what could be, we think about the new heaven because it talks about, as we'll look at next week in 22, about it coming down out of heaven. It hasn't happened yet, but the city coming down. There's something yet that awaits us as it deals with heaven. Right about this time, there are some of you that are like, what did he say? And others of you are going, you're like, whoa, man, my mind's blown. You know, I was like, whoa, I do. Yeah, here's the thing. I think so many times happens is I find it ironic that at times we, you, you've got the Christians that just, uh, they're Christians that come and just insist I, I need to learn something new. I, 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 there's things that I've never gotten into that we, I, I need some good teaching on and we just really need to get this and this new stuff when in many ways we've never heard the other things the first time. There's so many things. I mean, think about it. Heaven and hell should be fairly basic things. Yet the reality is we do not have a full knowledge of what Bible talks about heaven and hell is really all about. Before we start going off and looking for something new and something exciting, how about we grasp what we should already know? Even in the foundations of our faith. So here it is. Heaven and earth will disappear. Also, it said in there, you know, no more sea. We'll kind of talk about that next week as well. No more night. And again, there's some more no mores of what this is happening on this earth. Everyone moves on to eternal joy and or eternal torment. And I know even to still it may sound like that. Well, this doesn't seem right. I don't really grasp this or understand. But yet it does say it right here. And like I said, I gave you some other scriptures of where heaven and earth are gone. Obviously, there's new heaven and new earth. But it's like, I'm not sure I can wrap my mind around all this. Good. I'm glad that you can't wrap your mind around all this, that you recognize that. Because the people who can wrap their mind around all of it, apparently have as much knowledge as God. Are you with me? There are some things that we will not be able to wrap our minds around because we are not God. We do not know everything and we will not understand everything. It is beyond us. If it were not beyond us, there would be this God that looks just like us and thinks just like us. It is so much more. We've got to recognize that. I know it's hard to imagine because when God created earth, he said it was good. Even in parts, very good. And now he's going to destroy it all. 
Isaiah 65, 17, Behold, I create new heavens and new earth, and the former things shall not be remembered or come to mind. I think part of it is that it's not going to be something that's going to bother us. It may bother you right now, but it's not going to bother us then. These former things are not going to uh, come to mind. But why is it? Why is it the old heaven? Why the old heaven and earth? And whether it's uh, heaven dwelling place or the heaven as we think about the heavens above us here. Why? Why? Why is it happening that way? Because the old heaven and earth is not God's final goal or plan. In fact, the world, the world as we know it, creation, has been corrupted by sin. Genesis 3 talks about the results of sin was not just that man or humans experienced death, but that curse came upon the whole earth. Even the ground, he said, would be cursed a whole different way. God's plan, we can see, is something more. As it talks in Genesis or in Revelation 22, verse 3, it says there will be no more curse in that new heaven, that eternity that we're going towards. There'll be no more curse. Therefore, no more this earth where the curse has penetrated every part of it in so many different ways. Original creation needs to be set free from that curse. Look at Romans chapter 8. We read about this in Romans 8. Romans 8 verse 18. Beginning in verse 18 in Romans 8. And to understand that this, this is not a surprise. It's not a surprise in a sense to creation. Creation is, is, is groaning, is looking for this time of when it will be ended here and the new will begin. In Romans chapter 8, verse 18, we start reading. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration. Not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay, brought into the freedom and the glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation... The whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up into this present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who have been the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we eagerly await our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we are saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all for who hopes what they already have. But if we hope for what we do not have, we wait for it patiently. We read here of the creation uh, taken by the curse. Uh, sin entered that world and, and groaning to be set free from that curse and everything that is there and the effects of sin to once again be a, have a place uh, on earth, a heaven where perfect fellowship can be had with a perfect God. 
with a people who have been purified by the perfect blood of Christ. We have to recognize that we long to long for that place long for that place where what's happening around us is no more. That's what awaits us. But it's not just that. Let's long for a place where what's happening to us is no more. What's happening to us is no more. All that we are going through one day will be no more. There is coming a time uh, where we can say, like it, it says in Second Timothy chapter 4, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me a crown of righteousness with the Lord. The righteous judge will award me on that day, not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. I finished the race, I'm done. No more. Whatever we're dealing with, whatever we're having to go through, whatever is happening, not just around us, but what's happening in your life, what's happening to you, there's coming a time where this struggle will be no more. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders the sin that so easily entangles and run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Let's press on until that day. But there will come a time where there is no more. Until that day, we wait. Persevering, pressing on. I know we can be tired of this old earth and the old things that we just have to keep going through. But don't quit. Keep going. Cross the finish line. Because at the other end of that finish line, there is coming a time where God will make all things new and these things will be no more. Which is what he's talking about here in chapter 21 of Revelation. We go back to Revelation. In verse 3, I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, The dwelling of God is with men and he will live with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them. And be their God. And he will wipe every tear from their eyes, there will be no more death. No more mourning. No more crying. No more pain. The old order of things have passed away and he who is seated on the throne says, I'm making everything new. No more death. Revelation earlier in chapter 20, verse 6, talks about how death, the last enemy that Christ was waiting, the last enemy is conquered. Even the death is thrown into that pit lake of fire in chapter 20 verse 14 it is no more death no more something we have to deal with instead we have so much more life life eternal forever with him this is what it's about we think about first corinthians chapter 15 verse 24 26 then the end will come when he hands over the kingdom to god the father after he has destroyed all dominion authority and power 
for he must reign until he has put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. There will be no more death, but not just no more death, no more suffering or pain. For all that matters, no more as things that are associated with that trials and tribulations, no more sickness, no more bondage. There's an expression that I, I may have mentioned before that uh, in different ways of saying it, but that this earth, this earth is the only heaven that those who are heading to hell will ever know. This is as good as it's ever going to get. But as well, this earth is the only hell, so to speak, that those who are heading to heaven will ever know. And there will come a time where it's no more. We long for a place that what's happening to us is no more and it is coming. Even for those whose life is, is a fairly level road. It's like, you know, your life, there's, it's, it's good. Nothing major. I, I wouldn't say I'm suffering in any way or any major things. But even to those, I say that you will notice a major difference. A major difference between life here on earth and life with Christ in eternity. There are things that we've just persevered in and lived with and just accepted that will be no more. Even the very best things that are happening to us on this earth here will not even compare to how good the least of things will happen to us in heaven. It says here there's no more mourning or weeping. Isaiah 25 verse 8 says he will swallow up death forever. The sovereign the Lord will wipe away the tears from all faces. He will remove his people's disgrace from the earth. The Lord has spoken. No more mourning, no more weeping. This is a definite contrast to those who will be in the lake of fire where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth as Luke 13 talks about. Until the, that day, there are things that we will have to deal with. There, and, and there are two different words that are used here in verse 4 of chapter 21 in Revelation. And that is no more we, mourning or weeping. Mourning meaning no more crying. There's a difference. Uh, there's a difference between the one. The mourning about sorrow or grief or sadness. But the weeping deals with the, the crying, the expression of it, the wailing. It is really a word. It's just a wailing outwardly, seriously. Whether it's inside or whether it's coming out. There's coming a time where there'll be no more. No more. And what an amazing picture as we think about this. It, it's not just here that he says it other places like Revelation 7, 17, that he will wipe away every tear of a God who so greatly cares for us that he wipes away the tear. But even as we think about and long for that time of where it will be no more to understand that this same God we can meet in a real way in our life here, and we don't have to wait to someday in heaven. 
but his desire to have a relationship with us that is real, that you can have that sense. And while it may not be in the physical, literal sense, feeling the God of the universe touching you and taking away that tear, in a very real sense, many have experienced that touch of God in their life that has taken away not just the tear, but the sorrow and the sadness. Sorrow may last a night, but joy comes in the morning. Doesn't necessarily mean tomorrow morning, it may be on down the road, but we know there is a morning that's coming where that light will dawn. And all of that will be no more and so much more. I suppose we could say, in a sense, when we talked about the first point, is some informational about what heaven and uh, earth and heaven disappearing in this part here about no more is inspirational. But we really need to ask ourselves back to that first question is, are we ready to spend eternity in a place of no more? And, and probably just our first reaction is, well, yeah, duh. Of course, I want to. I'm ready. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to be in that place of of no more. I, I, I you know, I can't wait. I, I, yes. But that's not really what I mean when I ask, "Are we ready?" Not is that what you want, but are you ready? Have we made ourselves ready? Because. As we finish out End Times 101, we need to understand the very 101 basic point of even studying prophecy and end times. And that is that we would get ready, make ourselves ready. All too often, what happens is all we want to do is just study and learn something new. And how, how uh, uh, oh, this is, I just got to learn how this uh, applies to my life today because it, I see it happening. This is, well, this is happening in the world. And you got these people, oh, here's these divine secrets that nobody ever knew and mysteries that I'm going to share with you about how it's all connected to this event happening in history and this and that and happened in history. When we stand before Jesus, none of that will matter. What will matter is whether you dealt with your own life and what he wanted to do in your life, not about what's going on and everything else all around you. Are you ready? Getting ready. This place of no more means that we get and press on to a place of no more sin in our own life whether it's that which we're doing or that which we are neglecting to do, whether it's about the words that come out of our mouth or whether it's about the very thoughts and attitudes. The whole point, one of the main points of end times is that we be ready. Second Peter chapter 3 is where I read earlier about the heavens and the earth, about being destroyed by fire. I ended on verse 10 for those who really are quick and following. But let's move on to verse 11 where it talked about the heavens being destroyed by fire. Here's what it says. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, talking about the end of this earth, the the no more, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed is coming. That day will bring about the destruction of heavens by fire and the elements will melt in the heat. As we 
go on in that passage, but in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. So then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, yes, I'm ready for that place of no more. Since you are looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. This is not the only place it talks about that and connects how we live our life with the end times. Titus chapter 2 verse 12 says it teaches us say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in this present age. While we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ. Are we ready? Not what do we want, but are we ready? And what this is all talking about as we move towards that time. Now, obviously, it's just so hard. Yes, it is hard, but you know what? Just like we can't save ourselves, we can't do this by ourselves, but we've been given a Holy Spirit who wants to give us the power to live the Christian life as it was meant to be lived. Jesus can break the power of sin over our life, not just take care of the penalty, but through his blood, break the power of sin over our lives, and he wants to work in us. And so we read in places like 1 Thessalonians here. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 13 says this, May he strengthen your heart so that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of our God and Father when our Lord Jesus comes with all his holy ones. And then in chapter 5, verse 23, May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify. That word sanctify means to make holy. To bring about is what he's looking for us to be. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. We can talk about all this stuff and be fascinated and long to look at it, but all of it leads us and the scriptures again and again tell us, get ready, get ready. I ask the worship team to come. Father, move in us in this day we recognize that there is coming a time that will be so different than the way it is now in fact so different that this earth will be gone will be no more but the good news is there is so much else that will also be no more So, Lord, as we long for that day, help us to be ready for that day. Not by trying to dig in and learn more and more of how the prophecies right now are being fulfilled but allow your word to be fulfilled in us by us fulfilling, but doing what you said to do. 
to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions, to live self-controlled and upright and godly lives in this present age while we wait for you, our hope. Lord, it is you that we look forward to being with. We recognize that want to be done with this broken world and all around us. In fact, all the creation is ready. To just be in your presence for eternity, the glory of you, Lord. And I thank you that you can help us now and through our time to live the life that you've called us to be. Jesus, you have shown us the way. You are the way, the truth, and the life. And we recognize that no one, no one can come to the Father except through you. So we call it you to help us whether it be for the first time recognizing our need to make that choice to follow you, not just today through this life, but all the way into eternity. Or rather, that we just need to get ourselves back in the path to follow you and all that you ask. Move in us, Jesus.